It's the friends in your ears who talk about beers. It's episode 107 of The Cool Room. Uh, We're rounding out our Oktoberfest week here in The Cool Room with a return visit from our friends from Burnley. My good friend Travis will introduce them in a moment. But in the meantime, let me just remind you that these podcasts are best enjoyed with a tasty tasting pack from our Shopify store. Uh, The tasting pack for Burnley has six delicious Oktoberfest beers in it. We're going to be talking about three of them tonight, and we're going to see how many of them I can mispronounce. At this point, we're going to have the Pilsner, we're going to have the Lichtenhainer, and we're going to have the Dunkels. Uh, So those are the three that you should have with you. We're going to make sure that we uh, progress through them slowly in the Zoom room. But if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to pause between one beer and another so that you can savour and enjoy them along the way. And um, I'm going to suggest that we try and keep a little bit of each of the beers uh, at the side so that when we have the last beer, the Dunkels, we can compare all three next to each other. The first one's obviously a little bit warmer by then, but really just interested in having some conversations about the kinds of uh, hops and yeasts and whether there's any continuance of those flavours, which is perhaps a little bit more nuanced than we normally do. Um, Before I hand over to Travis, just a reminder that we've got some great fun events coming up in future weeks. Uh, For everyone who got the October pack, you'll already have the beers that you need for Capital next week and for Three Ravens the week after. And we're already putting together our November lineup. Uh, Very special visit from Moondog, who have some very fun beers, uh, some of which you'll have heard about in public, some of which you won't, but you'll have seen that it's their 10th uh, birthday coming up. And so there's some good fun to be had on that front. Return of Mr. Banks, and we've got some international guests lined up as well. Uh, With all of that said, the dogs are barking. The camera at Burnley is going to the ceiling, so I can see they have a lovely fan. They have no ceiling windows. No ceiling windows makes me think, oh, oh, gee, it's chaos there. Travis, take control. (laughs) You're in charge of ceiling matters in the cool room. Uh, Hello, David. Um, Yes. That's uh, that went way off track. That intro that was actually quite impromptu of everyone. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, as David mentioned, tonight we've got Burnley back in the call room um, after what is about probably twelve months or so since our last in. Um, we are going to taste some cool little beers, but before we get to that, um, Michael, Chloe, welcome back to the call room. How are you? Hello. Sorry, Michael has a really annoying habit of literally waiting to the last second to do something, and he's literally just waited to the last second to go and get beers. So he's, he's oh, just coming back now. He's also decided like to- everything we normally do around here. Yeah. <laughs> um, he won't be the first us. guest. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't be the last. Or host. Yeah. <laughs> or host. Or host, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, well, we've... Uh, 
we started tonight pretty loose and we haven't even started drinking the beer yet. This is uh, <laughs> this is going to be a good night. Um, guys, since the last time you were on, we've probably expanded our, our listener base throughout lockdowns in Melbourne and and uh, and so on and so forth. I'm not even sure what lockdown we're up to anymore. It's all sort of blended and become one very long one. Let's start off with something fun we like to do. Uh I want you guys to introduce each other for us, for the listeners that weren't here last year, and tell us what the other one's favourite beer style is. All right, I'll go first. This is Michael. I met him outside a rehab centre and I said, come here, young orphan. Let me give you a hobby and a home. Um, Anyway, he's a good guy. Don't believe what you hear about him because it's 98% lies, though the 2% are stingers um i would say <laughs> his favorite beer is in general the ones that we brew well that's no that's this is this is exactly the point you have to okay. figure You've out to, um yep. I, I mean they're both the same uh Weizen. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very accurate uh description um <laughs> all right so I can't think of a good backstory for Chloe. So, uh, but well, who was walking out of the rehab centre and who was walking? Oh, in? I, I, was that... doing my, yeah. I was doing my godly yeah. duties and uh, walking past. I'd recently been asked to leave Next Stop Model because they're like, "You're too good." Um, and then I was walking past the rehab centre <laughs> for charity work or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, this is Chloe. She's. Um, Head of all things creative for Burnley Brewing. See, I'm actually saying something. Yeah, but- <laughs> that's good, right? Um, and um, head of sales as well, which is uh, extremely important. Um, and Chloe's favorite beer is the Lethe or Lef, I uh, don't know how everyone pronounces it. Um, the Lef Blonde, very true. Mm. Nice, yeah. good choices. Mm. Mm. Um, you can tell there's already a theme there. We love it, we love a European brew. Yes, and, and we, we're, we're going to get to that uh, very, very soon. Um, paint us a picture of where you guys are situated. We know that um, obviously with COVID uh, lockdowns and so on, you're, you're, uh, it's, the world's a bit different now, but, but give everyone an insight into, into the brewery and, and location. Oh, so Burnley was pretty lucky. We've got a tap room in Richmond um, at 648 Bridge Road. Mm. Conveniently, it is actually next to a rehab centre and I did not make that up. Um, <laughs> And we also have a production facility where we brew all of our all of our beers and we also do contract brewing for other breweries. So COVID lockdown for us has been for sure harder on the restaurant side of things. So it's been interesting having um, staff kind of split down the middle where the brewery staff have not really lost a beat. There's not really been a change there. And restaurant staff where they don't really know, we don't really know what their shift looks like or where it's going to be or whatever so it's definitely been interesting having that dichotomy to the business right now um we've actually had a pretty good run with COVID where we had an ownership ownership change at the beginning of it where Michael and I and our business partner Hoppo took full control um and that's kind of oddly let us go strengths to strengths um lockdown's been really good for us in the fact that I think this is really the worst thing to ever happen to businesses and now that this you know kind of life goes on it's kind of let us stop holding on to fears that may have been a problem previously 
Um, so yeah, I think that uh, COVID, the balls that COVID throw at you, we use, we we do tend to hit them back quite nicely. Like Oktoberfest beers, Oktoberfest packs are a pretty good example of that. We had 16 exclusive beers for the tap room in Richmond and um, venues that we were working with that we had to pivot almost overnight to be in cans. Um, and I think the fact that we, we can still work at that kind of speed is probably a testament of how we've handled the rest of lockdown, really. Yeah, nice. And where did you guys get your start from? And I'm sure we spoke about this last time you were on the podcast, but just as a bit of a refresher, uh, when, when did the brewery start? The brewery started, so Michael and I were living in Germany at the time um of 2017 but Burnley started in 2017 um we opened our doors in November so we are almost coming to our fourth birthday um saying that to our business partner makes him super depressed because like happy fourth debt (laughs) 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 um so yeah Burnley started um is 2017 but we had we were already brewing and existing in the German realm when Burnley was being um, developed branding wise and location wise and we we came back middle of 2017 and got involved in it from there yeah perfect and it's uh obviously you can you don't need to have a fourth birthday because you can't act at the last year just pretend it didn't exactly happen. Just, what is yeah, time worry what is about time? the debt you next cannot year. convince me that I've turned 30 because I know I haven't. I don't feel like I have. So I, I humbly re- d- deny that. <laughs> yeah, good good call. Um, we are starting with the Pilsner tonight. Um, guys, for, for the, we, you know, we get a bunch of listeners that are, that are new, new to craft beer scene and there's a people in the room that uh, may be new as well. Um, tell us, what makes a Pilsner a Pilsner? Um, so... There's a, there's a couple of different types of Pilsners. Um, so a very traditional Pilsner is the Bohemian Pilsner, um, which is, you know, uh, originated in actually the Pilsner Urquell Brewery in Czech Republic um, in 1842. Um, that was brewed using nothing but Pilsner malts, so really pale malts, um, because this was during the Industrial Revolution when maltsters found that they could do indirect kilning on malts, which meant that the malts wouldn't get uh, a lot of colour during the kilning process. Um, so uh, Pilsner malt um, from the local town of Pilsen and then also local hops, which is the SARS hops, which is a Czech Republic hop, which is a noble hop using uh, that gives off spice notes, a bit of herbaceous notes and stuff like that. Uh, and that's the original Pilsner. Um, and then due to jealousy, for lack of a better word, uh, the Germans then came up with the pills, um, but out of respect, they didn't call it Pilsner because of, you know, Pilsner is meant to come from pills and, and so they just call it pills. But the pills uh, varies a bit differently where it's a bit more straw um, uh, in colour, um, so a tad bit lighter, whereas the, uh, the Bohemian or Czech Pilsner can be a bit more golden in colour. Um, it's a little less bitter um, using German um, hop varieties and uh, is a bit more floral. Um, so a little, it might, uh, and a little bit less sweet as well. Um, so that is a Pilsner pretty much. So it's a pale uh, lager also bottom fermenting, um, quite a large presence of hops, um, but also not like a, um, you know, not, not overly bitter, uh, like, like a, 
uh, an American pale ale or something like that. So it's a very drinkable, smooth, easy drinking beer. And um, I think it accounts for like, I don't know, something like 80% of what is brewed in the world, something like that. Mm. Which that's, that's an interesting stat because that sort of brings us to the next question. You guys have probably noticed like the rest of us that there's a lot of high profile pilsners doing the rounds in Melbourne at the moment. What, what are your thoughts on the style growing in terms of the popularity? I mean, Melbourne? we, we love to see it. Like I think it was probably this time last year where I said to you guys, if lagers ever become cool, Burnley will be, we haven't, but lagers have. So that's cool. It's nice <laughs> to see somebody live, else live in my dream. Um, I think it's like, it's a testament to the, um, to the mobility of the craft industry. Like two years ago, IPAs or whatever, the opposite of what we're drinking now would have been considered the hype there. Um, but I think it makes sense. Like people get overhopped um, and they want to start experimenting more. But we love to see it. Like in no way, shape or form um, can you gatekeep a style um, or should you gatekeep a style? Especially when the style is over it's been around 150 for, years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah. 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 Um, so we love to see it. Also love to see you know, our take on Germany meets uh, Melbourne is the Pilsner that we've done, the German Pilsner. But it's always interesting to see how people use their own references to Pilsners in there as well. I think we've been really spoiled having a brewery and living in Germany for so long that we have different references to what other brewers might have had. So it's, it is really cool to see a style that we are, respectfully absolute sluts for really take over and be hype beers it's it's always cool to see people change their directions of their craft beer journey um and yeah it's amazing to see and yeah and this this is a burnley pilsner and you put your your personal style in it but is there a beer a, a pilsner out there that you've based it on is there something you've had overseas and you you've kind of that's been in your head when you've come up with this one yeah, actually, this one here, um, I remember last year we'll, when we were on this podcast, and this isn't any bullshit or story or any sucking up, but the week after we were on, uh, there was the... Oh, the Weinstefan. Yeah, the with Marcus, which is what you pro- I think you did last, last week, week too, yeah. right? Yeah, we did. We did it the because other way around this year. I yeah. was in the car and my, my father-in-law was messaging, like, you guys are missing out on something. It's like, Ryder, I'm trying to run the small business here, right? I can't <laughs> join everything. Um, and, and welcome to your father-in-law and mother-in-law as well tonight. Yeah. <laughs> in the room again tonight. Um, but um, yeah, so when listening to that, having the Weinstefaner pills, and you may have, may have even remembered last time um, when, when we were having the pills, I even wrote in the chat, I was like, hey, Marcus, what hops are in here mm-hmm. and, uh, and whatnot? And he very kindly answered. And I was like, all right, I've got an idea for a pills now. Yeah, but the, <laughs> the reason that we did it this time around is um, we've been lucky enough to expand on the friendship that we've had with Hofbrau House. Like Burnley's always had a mindset of collaboration over competition. Um, and because we, we don't really have strong roots in the beer scene in Melbourne, especially when we first moved back. So the Hofbrau House was somewhere that we really consciously looked at and loved to go to and would have, you know, always loved to work together and the fact that we um, have a great, like they agreed to put their name on a Pilsner, which is probably as just a risk for them as it was for us was pretty, um, pretty exciting. So 
Um, yes is the answer, but also no, but also yes. <laughs> uh, Shall I just uh, saw a question uh, in the chat? Is the seal on the can Salvatore? From it, the is. Oh. it is. Well, that's yes. I was going to get to that yeah. later, but righty, yeah, let's let's. Let's rip the scab off that question because am I right in saying that last year you didn't have the little logo that you now have with hound and seal? So we always had, we, we call her Sally. We've always had Sally um, um, because there was always a legend that she was living in the river. Um, and that's actually something that's cool post-lockdown as well. Uh, during lockdown, she's got an Instagram. I don't know if you guys follow the Instagram. It's cool. That, that woman, cool? she gets around. <laughs> mm. Like, Abbotsford, wherever she sees the sites. So, so let's, um, let's explain for the, for those who don't have the benefit of being in the Zoom room. Uh, you don't have an ostrich and a giraffe on your cans. Let's take let's take people through slowly. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, so Burnley's uh, Burnley's had a pretty conscious effort of rebranding since the first lockdown. We kind of wanted to draw a line in the sand of. Um, ownership change and like you know trying to breathe some um, different energy into labeling so uh, the seal has always been there as it was more of a play on the independent seal when we first opened um, seal the animal not seal the well, yes not well, seal the man not seal this hound oh, singer yeah. <laughs> um, that wasn't even what I was thinking of but well played oh really see why you're the creative person independent see why you're the creative person but yes i apologize that's my bad um and then uh because we are childless millennials we said let's put our dog on there um so harry is a new feature but um the seal has always been there and so the seal was salvatore until we put harry on there and then we started calling it sarah because it's like harry and sally yeah nice and yeah. harry is in the zoom room with us tonight there was um some comments earlier on that uh, we didn't introduce Harry, but uh, oh, I'm pretty sure Harry's going to make himself <laughs> well known when he wants yeah. to. Um, last year we we started the first beer we tried was the Vienna Lager. Um, how's this one different to that? So the um, the Vienna Lager actually. Interestingly, the Vienna Lager um, that we would have had a year ago has gone through some slight changes over the year. Um, as, as I'm sure anyone that's a uh, home brewing at home or even just uh, professional brewers, anything like that, they do like to tweak their recipes because brewers are always the harshest critiques on their beers, or critics on their beers, I should say. Um, so we've done a few tweaks in the last year to a point where I'm finally pretty damn happy with it. Um, but the sort of Vienna Lager... Um, is a more amber um, or light amber uh, lager. So like the Pilsner, it's also bottom fermenting. Um, it, again, is using um, noble hops, um, using Hallertau tradition and SARS and Spelter Select as well in the um, Vienna lager. Um, but because of the, um, the more darker base malt, so the Vienna malt, and we've also got some um, Munich malt in there as well to bring the colour through, you've got a bit more of a, uh, bready light toast background of the malt which then balances out that bitterness um, so even though it has roughly the same bitterness as our uh, pilsner the malt actually counteracts it and makes it a bit more smoother and um, and and yeah so uh, yeah Vienna Lager um, was also one of the was 
the first lager in our core range um, from day one when we opened um, and has just slowly been evolving over time uh, to the point where I'm, uh, uh, I mean, I've always been happy with it, but now I'm starting to be like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to warn you, <laughs> we do live on a street where they love to do doughies. So if you hear someone rip something past, it isn't attack. It's just bogans being bogans. Um, <laughs> now, can I, I didn't I, think I'm you guys of... lived in the Western suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's living in the dodgy part of Rye. That helps. <laughs> right. I'm just going to cut in for a moment there and say welcome to all of our new listeners from Norway. And quite seriously, yeah. <laughs> I've got no idea where you've all come from or why you've been Norway. listening in the last week or two. But um, the phrase doing doughy, the bogans are doing doughies, um, <laughs> is no reference to baking. Uh, just email us and we'll sort that out for you. But yeah. thank you for listening. <laughs> you can, um, but to long, answer your question, basically the way that we see the difference between them is um, the Vienna Lager for us is um, like an old school winter classic, um, while the Pilsner is like the fun, funky summer beer. The crisp boy for the crispy, summer. The crispy, yeah, nice. the crispy laps. Who always has sunscreen. What's been the feedback on the Vienna Lager? Because I know last year when we tried it as the first beer, I think the the response in the Zoom room was that it was just absolutely fucking amazing. And yeah. it's it's still, as soon as I see it in a fridge somewhere, I'll always grab a can. Have you guys got much feedback? I know because, you know, you're not open at the moment. You're not having that sort of face-to-face with people and stuff. Yeah. But can you tell us a bit how it's all sort of gone on that front? Yeah, I mean, it's just like I think the fact that we've had it since day one has kind of been, um, and it's still around, is kind of symbolic of how well it has done. Yeah. Like, um, we are, we're very good at carving, in my opinion, at carving out our own lane and sticking to it. And I think the fact that even though people said, I don't want to drink a Vienna Lager, it's for my dad, I said, get daddy issues and drink Vienna Lager. So the fact that we've stuck to our guns enough where I think people are trusting that style a little bit more, so maybe they weren't comfortable drinking it four years ago, um, they might be giving it a go now because either they've had the pale out or they've seen it around long enough to kind of be that earworm where they just want to try it. So we've had really good feedback from it, um, but I also think it's been around long enough where we don't really get the feedback from it like we would a new release yeah yeah and it's interesting travis that last year we didn't start with the vienna lager we actually started with the black current ghost oh yeah oh, yes. oh so See, that there was, you go that's that's interesting because i'd forgotten about that and like the vienna lager had completely been the one to stick in my mind that's so interesting that that's how it's done because normally like that vienna lager that um goza was a showstopper like I get we get a lot of people asking for that back uh, but it's interesting that Vienna Lager is one that stuck with you mm. must have been a very good beer yeah mm-hmm. um guys we, we touched on the COVID stuff and the lockdown stuff and before we move on to the next beer uh, uh you guys looking forward to reopening obviously um tell us what's the plan when you get to reopen um what well, I'm a little bit nervous about reopening if I'm being honest um, mainly because I don't love putting my staff into harm's way and I just don't know what that looks like. We've obviously reopened before, but it was never reliant on vaccines and it was never reliant on people following rules in this way. So I'm a little bit nervous about that, um, mainly because I'm just not... Like, we've had protests go past our place on Bridge Road before and that itself was shocking enough where 
I think it's put a little bit of a hesitancy there in my brain. Um, but with that in mind, I cannot wait. And I um, I will be ripping some, some serious beers the day we can for sure. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I like for, as as well. We're aware of any that doesn't have a lot of outdoor seating, so the opening rules are a little bit sus, and we're still not sure because we only have three outdoor tables, so we're not really sure when we'll be back to full capacity. But um, you know, we've come this far. I can wait, you know, another month or so. I mean, for there's probably some people in the Zoom room that know where you are located, and uh, there's probably some of the listeners that know. Are you able to get onto the council to actually boost your outdoor seating area? No, we've tried to a couple of times. The council don't really lure of us because of the whole, um, we obviously had that pub crawl thing. Yeah. Um, so. Which, which, hang on. Which we, we, had, we had, we had nothing to do yeah, yeah. like um, but, but because we were in that radius, the council just really. Playing it safe. They just really knuckled down and said, nothing's happening here. So um, to the point where we actually um, had a food. Tr- uh, um, but basically, man, I don't know if you're. What? Um, basically, we. we <laughs> it's probably okay. Put- Sally Cap's not turning up tonight. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh- <laughs> um, basically, we probably, we would love more outdoor setting for sure. But I think it's been a fun um, experiment to see where else we can expand to so we have had um we're lucky enough to have good relationships with a couple of clubs that we sponsor that have empty club rooms so maybe there's something there we have a pretty good relationship with like dingo at my taco and hoffer house with both who both can move so i think the fact that um while burnley the hub is at richmond it doesn't have to be um and i think the way that we've kind of um learn we've kind of gone back to parks probably in ways in in droves that we never have i think that itself for us is more exciting than potentially getting two or three more tables at richmond nice i like uh, i like the way that breweries and bars are forward thinking on how they can make the new world actually work yeah um, we are going to move on to the next beer and i am going to throw to warren I believe that uh, most of us probably finished the Pilsner because it was bloody Dang good. It, right? It's. I feel it's like a- we could do an entire episode, David and Warren, just on Pilsners at the moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely could. And I reckon only because I'm so diligent that I'm going to be the only person who's actually kept a little bit of each of the beers along the way and I'll end up having a conversation with myself at the end. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this, David. Oh, good man, yeah, Travis. I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm with you. Uh, which is part of my reason for throwing to Warren to kick off the next beer. So I didn't drink the last bit of the Pilsner. Oh, what a good man. Oh, good um, Warren. Yeah. Um, over to you, my friend. What the what the fuck is a Lichtenheiner? Lichtenheiner? <laughs> a Lichtenheiner? A Lichtenheiner? I swear that wasn't the question I wrote. A Lich. A Lich. Uh, <laughs> what is this? What am I drinking? <laughs> what am I pouring yeah. in my face? <laughs> Actually, just with that, we the Oktoberfest packs that we did this year was called the Susan Gefühl, which is the feeling of togetherness <laughs> in German. But every time our business partner said, he was like, Gehurt the packs. What are we doing about the packs? It's literally one word. It was almost like a form of torture at that point. It was Balisimo. But yeah, literally one word. Susan Gehurt the packs. 
which is, yeah, the meaning of togetherness. Um, anyway, so this one here, the Lichtenhainer, um, is a, a, a died-out style, pretty much. Yeah, it's a, it's um, a... Which you don't really see anywhere. Um, mm. So it, it's a smoked sour. So it's a, a, a yeah sour beer, um, 50 to 40% wheat, the rest are... Uh, pills and a bit of Vienna malts in there and stuff like that it's 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 because it's such an old beer there's not a like a a this is how it's brewed you know because it's mm. it hasn't been brewed for so long commercially at least that it's uh it's not up to interpretation but there's many ways you can do it yeah um but so what it is it was brewed originally brewed in the region uh called Jena in um in Germany, um, some cities in that area is, is Liechtenstein, um, also Volitz, uh, I think it was called. Uh, there was another one that also started with W. I just, but the main one that I remember is Liechtenstein because that's what the beer was named after. So what it is is a, uh, it's not unlike a, a goza um, or goza, um, uh, just without the salt. Um, so the ABV levels are the same. The 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 barley to uh, wheat ratio is still the same. The only difference is that some of that barley is a is a smoked barley, um, and that doesn't come from the beechwood. Uh, like like uh, doesn't it comes from the direct kilning uh, method, where the um, mm-hmm. the smokes it themselves would get a bit of color and also get a bit of smoke from the actual fires that were kilning them. Um, so that's the Lichtenhainer. So, you know, it's in your mid 4% ABV, lightly smoked sour. Yeah, um, so essentially, long story short, oh. it's a smoked sour. The cans actually... <laughs> we like the long story here. No, We're I like the long story. story. <laughs> Shush, Chloe. <laughs> so we want the long story. The can, actually, all our Oktoberfest beers have um, the place of origin on it. So if oh. you are interested in where a beer comes from, you can Google it more yourself more about the city because there is it's very hard to draw a line between beers and the towns in germany because they are so intertwined um so we decided to have that shout out to where they're originally from just in case you're curious and obviously we can't travel right now so if you're curious about where a beer comes from and the history of that beer you can spend however long you want googling and what's kind of cool as well on the front of the label um in the burnley uh shield i guess you would say is actually the um hmm. the city flag of uh, of, of the yenna uh, region which is pretty cool uh which has the crocodile and the angel uh, yes yeah, cool yeah. um it looks like saint george i think yes. um and do they have a big it, crocodile problem over there in germany i think because... it's a dragon <laughs> it's it? not anymore thanks to old mate uh whatever his name is um but i think this beard tastes like a um pizza shape what the biscuit the flavor how about we all just sit back for a moment I'm, guys and mm-hmm. let chloe and michael have this discussion together yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah i think we should yeah a pizza shape huh yeah so, like, what which is, is interesting because i was gonna i was gonna say we should go around the room and get everyone's take on it and i don't think any of us would have said pizza shape that's the joys of drinking you beer with me <laughs> <laughs> is she crazy or is she onto something? Because it tastes like the bacon no, no. Ones. It's like yeah, yeah. No, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that tomato, that kind of tomato powder that they put on top of the tomato extract powder that they put on top of pizza shapes. Yeah, well, I can. So like if you said smoked paprika and stuff like that, I can, yes. Well, I, I kind of went down the path of like 
a mixture of barbecue shape and bacon and cheese shape. You get that mm. bacon hit on your nose. If yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're going to, like, compare a beer to shapes. Yeah. I was going to say, let's, I just don't want this to become Which a thing that we do. Which are FYI. Um, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. There's a lot going on in there. And there's kind of that, that malted barley kind of comes across to, like, a pearl barley. Like, if you mm. made a barley soup, you can really get that. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It was, it was, it was Michael, it was... go. Tell us. Tell us. what it, What is it? It, it was it was really funny because um, as as Chloe mentioned, all these beers were meant for our for our tap room because we had hoped we would have been able to have our traditional Oktoberfest celebrations at, at the brewery where we would have our long tables and just turn it into a little Oktoberfest for for the three weeks. Um, so we had all these tanks, uh, these beers in tank lagering because we give them the good proper time that they need. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we're we're couldn't do that um but i had just an extra tank space for three weeks where i could chuck something in and i was like okay what other german beer do we have we already had 15 i was like okay what's going to be the 16th and just looking through my old school books i came across lichtenheiner and just saying historic beer above it and i was like oh what the hell is this started reading it getting more and more intrigued and i was like all right i'm gonna build a recipe around this build the recipe and as soon as I was brewing it, I'm like, I think I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then it got into fermentation. And as soon as, um, as soon as that uh, CO2 started coming out of the tank and I could start smelling it, I'm like, what the, what have I done? Like, I'm just getting this sweet wort with a bit of bacon and stuff like that. And I was really conflicted. <laughs> um, and because it's also got a, a, a wheat um, yeast in there as well. So at that point, I was getting a bit of like ripe banana as well. And I was like, this is an absolute just shambles. But then uh, fermentation continued off. Esters started to die off. Uh, yeast started to drop out of suspension as I cooled it. And that sourness, that sweetness from the wet had obviously dissipated. Um, dissipated. Um, and that smoked sour was left really balanced. Um, and, yeah, came out with this this cracker which is mm. i i i mean i'm gonna toot my own horn here but i, I think it's it's fantastic because it's really thirst quenching but because of that um that that smoked malt it leaves like a perceived dryness which makes you then want to just go for another sip um which which is uh just yeah great but it was interesting when i dropped this stock off for mr west Jack was like, you've either got to be crazy or a genius to a Lichtenheiner. And I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it like that because, again, we just live in our own bubble. And then I was like, e- yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, now I'm reflecting on my mistakes that I've made here. <laughs> I think it might be crazy. Can And maybe someone in the chat can just confirm if, if like, Lichtenstein is where Heath Ledger's character in the Knight's Tales from. I'm pretty <gasps> sure it is. Oh my gosh! Uh, no, well, so like, there's a difference between no, um, the country and uh, oh, Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein. Yeah, there's a difference. Uh, there's my European geography. Yeah. Up oh, that's actually a really You're good place, though. Wait, is it great film? But is it Liechtenstein? Or it's good film. Isn't it? Let maybe it's Liechtenstein. We got okay. We got to oh, Google knows? that. IMDb. Someone's got to Google that. That that was yeah. a good Heath Ledger film. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. R.I.P. Um. 
<laughs> God, I'm totally lost now. All right. So, yeah, you mentioned Oktoberfest and the Oktoberfest pack. Um, obviously, it wasn't the Oktoberfest you wanted it to be, but but were there some good parts to it? What were your what were your favorite parts to this this year's October's Oktoberfest? I think um uh how the, it's kind of twofold. How incredibly excited our staff got about sixteen new beers was pretty cool. Um, because obviously we could get people back to help out deliveries and like. Um, the we got to kind of uh, teach some new styles to people, especially our new staff, um, and also how far reached and how well received they were. Obviously, at Richmond, everything is well received because we can con- kind of control the atmosphere. Like you're you're not going to tell me that you're having a bad time when there's like Schlager band playing in your face. So mm. the fact that they were kind of out of our control. And so well received was really exciting. Um, I think as well, I forgot how big we were doing it. So like the amount of beers that we were actually releasing kind of just got away from us. And the fact that people were buying, like chomping at the bit to get them um, without even trying them or hearing of them was, was pretty exciting for us. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm. Um, I'm going to dive back to the beer quickly. Uh, because I've got a question uh, from from Graham in the chat room. Uh, did you say what did you did you mention what the barley was smoked with or what the barley was? Yeah, what it was smoked with. Um, yeah. So so this um, so originally it was just indirect kilning. So it was just the the uh, woods that they had to to kiln the malts that mm. gave it a a smoky flavour, um, just like the original beers from Bumberg. Um, but uh, today um, I used a beechwood smoked malt, which also comes from Bumberg. Um, so, so our beer, beechwood, um, historically, uh, whatever woods and fuel they had yep. to to kiln their um, their malts. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, cool. Um, back to it. October. So, so October, do you guys have Oktoberfest memories? What, what are your favorite memories from, from like OG German Oktoberfest or any uh, really? It doesn't even matter. Memories about Honkai. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't blacking out the whole time, I swear. <laughs> um, well, the town that we used to live in was really wine focused. So they had a, their version of Oktoberfest was wine fest, similar vibe. You might yep. be able to tell. Um, but Oktoberfest in a wine town was really cool because hardly anyone went. So um, we've gone to the um, Hofbrau one, uh, sorry, the Munich one a couple of times. But um, I think I've preferred the smaller town ones because um, it was very daunting seeing so many backpackers in one tent, um, especially a Hofbrau house obviously yeah. attracts, hold on, Harry might. Oh no! Um, uh, it was kind of daunting to go from a small town to Munich in, in overnight kind of thing. So um, the atmosphere itself is incredible. It feels like the MCG on a final. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just the atmosphere. I think is itself in Munich amazing. But how cheap the beer is is my second favorite thing about the whole thing. Well, um, yeah, for me, it's. Uh... I mean, yeah, went to the Oktoberfest pretty much every year while we were living in Germany. Um, but for me, there was one year when you, I believe, were working. So I, I 
went down to uh, yeah how's that for feminism <laughs> went, went down to Munich uh, <laughs> on the weekend but to meet up with my brother who was uh, had flown in from Canada I went down to Munich and uh, one of my favorite memories was spending a couple of nights with my brother at Oktoberfest yeah. when we hadn't seen each other for for a couple of years and meeting up in Munich to have beers was uh that was a very special memory for yeah me. it was always cool with Oktoberfest because new people were in town for it so it was like catching up with friends for X amount of years that you haven't seen them at a place that was really cool to show off Germans being German. Um, and even like how big it is there, like there's a whole TV event around like cracking the first keg open and like the historical part of it, it's really cool to be even just for a day to be part of that energy and vibe. Um, and just how big the tents are, like, the it's hard it, it, do, it does really feel like the mcj final state like it just there's energy in the air for particularly um uptight people there's a lot of energy that night <laughs> what's actually what I, what I love about it though too is also um for those two weeks um there's an actual Oktoberfest channel on the tv yeah so you, so you can, can just, just check in and see what's going on <laughs> so funny. and while we we're over there there was a weird switch between people being embarrassed Harry. <laughs> I feel like we need to put up one of those little sort of Simpsons things, you know, where it's yeah. like you know, technical difficulties. Yeah. Harry, yeah. You, know, you know, a drunken dog wandering in front of a camera. Um, um, where back. was I before? I was rudely interrupted. He's Hungarian as well. So let's let's not look into that, shall we? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just it was very cool to be part of something so big, even if it was just for a couple of days, um, and so historical as well. Does yeah. it happen in the little towns as well? I mean, I guess that's sort of yeah. when you. So, can you paint us perhaps a little bit of a picture about some of those sort of smaller places, or Michael, the you know, when you were doing your apprenticeship and so forth? You know, what was, what was that? It's like? still a similar vibe, like still electric. It's still in massive tents and it's like electric energy, but it's nowhere as big. It'll probably fit inside, like I don't know. Well, it depends on the town because the yeah. one in Cochem was pretty big. It took up the whole um, the marketplace. Um, it's almost like South Melbourne market size. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so still pretty big for sure. It's a decent size. Yeah. But you just know every you know single everyone. person who's there. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> everyone. So it's like, oh, there's Martha. Jesus, I, I just don't want to see her today. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Or, whereas, whereas in Munich, it's like I don't know anyone here. This is fantastic. Yeah. It's like when we we're in Corpens with their one, it was beautiful because the town that we we're living in is absolutely beautiful, but. I used to be a kellneran, so a waitress at a pub, and you'd see all these people giving out Trinkgeld and tips who never gave you tips, and you used to think, <laughs> is it me or is it just because it's Oktoberfest that they're tipping for the first time? Um, so that level of intrigue was interesting as well. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was me on reflection. <laughs> Can you stop burping in my face? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's Travis always- could cut that out, but he won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and- no. It was that, uh, but like before, when you when you told Harry off, I heard it. Um, yeah, it was him. And I, yeah, I thought oh, was that Harry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and I, so, so uh, back to back to a more serious question, and and like as as Michael, beer historian and and uh, producer, Clint's asked. Traditionally, assuming all malts were kilned over wood, wouldn't they all have? gotten smoked wouldn't they all wouldn't they all have been smoked wouldn't we all have smoked them 
Absolutely right. So, which is why, um, so in Bumbag, where the smoke beer is now, uh, which is which is the town that is now famous for smoke beers, also famous for the highest density of breweries per capita until Oregon. Until Oregon, those uh, damn Americans. Portland, Oregon took over it in two thousand. Oh, 15 or something um but that little town had you know like a hunt like insane amount of little small breweries um but they all specialize in smoke molds because uh i don't know if you know this about germans but they're very stubborn <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and this town themselves were very stubborn to move on from the uh the smoke beers because yeah just like um yeah they they were all rightly so um all had a bit of smokiness to them which is then so in the mid 1800s, that's when, uh, because of the industrial revolution, that's when the indirect kilning became a thing. Um, and that's when that smoke started to um, get uh, dissipate pretty much, stop, stop being a thing. Yeah. There's always a small hint of it um, or a lot of it, depending on the beer style. Um, but then, um, then with technology and everything like that, that then slowly became less of a thing. Yeah. Um, also, we know that smoked beers was more predominant in the past. Like the reason that Bumberg was so prevalent is because the amount of wood, the wood style that they used and the style. So we know there's always an element of smokiness in most beers. Um, to what extent? It's like you kind of can just guess, really. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's it's uh, because it is so historic and no one's killing like that anymore. These days, well, actually, it'd be as, hard as to as really know. know that homogenous. There would be no homogeneity between and each and hard to replicate. Yeah, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah cool answer. Great. Yeah, and thanks for that question, Clint. That's awesome. Um, I was. Oh, I may as well ask the last question. Yeah, let's ask the last question. Um, so there's there's like so with beers like this, uh, and and some other some other beers of your range which escape me right now, is there is there kind of a, a a desire to educate? Is there not necessarily educate, but but kind of show people um a little bit more of the history and the depth of brewing and beer and and yeah, I suppose the, the... yeah. I mean, I think that's always a mission mission for Burnley um that's why i'm sitting here right now <laughs> like i'm i'm on holiday right now so that's why I'm, I'm ready to go but that's always been a mission for burnley for sure like with these um with each box that we release as tasting notes that we've we've done on the instagram so you can go through at your own speed and read about them um but we harry that's so fucking rude mate um but we also just want people to be excited to learn about new things so that's why we put the the reference to what town the beers come from and if you've ever looked at any of our cans there's no secrets to what goes into it we've got the play-doh we've got the iv ebc we've got the ibu so if there is one time when somebody is curious um we just need them to fall down the rabbit hole and then they'll stumble like alice alice and then wear the alice in wonderland location so there is for sure a emphasis on us teaching people about these styles but also people just want to drink beer they're more than welcome to Mm. yeah that's pretty cool and and with that education where's the balance in in just selling beers that people just want to smash like is there is there i don't know is there a, a balance to that where where do you start and stop where do you just go oh we we shouldn't brew that because they'll never sell 
Uh, there's not, I, I don't know if there is really a line, basically, like if you're talking to someone and you know, they just don't give a, you, they don't care, then there's no point wasting your breath. Like we're not going to force somebody to learn something that they're not interested in. Um, but there's not really like we, we drop German beers really regularly. Like we do, um, double bulk and bite in a, oh, hold on. We've done German beers really often enough where people if they want to learn more about their beer they're more than welcome to ask us if they just want to try something new yeah like I said go for it but there's brewing a historically accurate beer it it isn't going to stop us because we have to explain to people what it is like for us if people want to know it's more exciting if they don't then we don't really not really fussed about it actually for me as well it was just reading it I want to try that. Let's give it a shot. Um, because, well, yeah, because why the hell not? Yeah, <laughs> really. I think the way that we, um, we decide what beers we want to do is the, the beers, like we know what it's like to almost have lose your business because that was really a reality almost every month for the past year. So every release that we do now, it's would we be happy to sink with it like the Titanic? And would we be happily, would we happily explain to somebody what it is? So yes and no, but also no. I know I didn't answer your question then. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's all good. I think that 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 kind of covered that covered it perfectly. I don't think yeah. it was a particularly well asked question. <laughs> it's a team problem. Well, I yeah. with it actually reminds me of this moment that um, I had with Black Arts when I was doing a tasting there. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to somebody was basically like how do you get more people drinking lagers and it's very hard to get people to drink lagers because sometimes people just don't want to do something that they're told um but also i'm also mindful of wasting my own breath sometimes like i know that if i'm talking about beer and if michael's talking about beer somebody is more likely to listen to michael because it rhymes with mechanism so there's a <laughs> point where you have to preserve your own self and sometimes finding where that line is, is really hard, especially for beginners. Um, but I think it's all about finding when and where you want to stop fighting for that, you know? Yep. Yeah. Nice. If that cool. helps. I wonder if that's a good time for us to take a quick break, uh, get up and stretch our legs guys and uh, come back and, uh, Finish up on the final beer for the evening. Well, welcome back to the second part of our excellent conversation that we're having tonight with our friends from Burnley. Uh, We've been treated to have enjoyed some fantastic Oktoberfest-style beers, have a good conversation about some uh, German moments and German friendships, and, uh, well, we're moving on to the Dunkels, as I pronounce it. How would you pronounce it, Michael? You've been there. Uh, Dunkels. See, I knew I'd get it wrong, even something as simple as that. (laughs) Maybe we're gaslighting you. Maybe you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I'm more than happy to go with yours. Um, Look, this is a magnificent beer. Can you take us for a little bit of a guided tour of it? Take us through 
just literally how it should look in the glass. If we're holding it up to the, some nice white light, how it should look and, you know, give us the tasting experience. Yeah. So um, Dunkless literally means, so Dunkless or, um, uh, means dark. So Dunkless beer, dark beer. Um, and so that's exactly what it is. It's a dark lager um, because what, as, as I said, 80 plus percent of the beers in the world are pilsners and lagers. Um, and, uh, and yes, and the Germans are well known for their lagers. So this is a dark lager. Um, so first thing that you're seeing is that it's, it's very clear. Um, it's, it's not a filtered beer, but because of the lagering process, these, these beers generally stay in tank for eight weeks. There's enough time in tank at zero degrees for all the yeast to and, and proteins and stuff like that to drop out of suspension. So it's a nice, really clean uh, beer. Have a good um, head retention on it. Uh, nice, fine bubbles. Um, it's also just a slightly off-white colour on, um, on the head. Um, but then that beer is a really deep copper colour. Um, mm. That's how I like to describe it. If you put it up towards the light, you've got a nice, deep copper. Um, so it's not black because then you're going into the realms of Schwarz beer, which means black beer or which is a, a black lager. Um, but yeah, this is a, a dark lager. So deep, rich copper. So um, the hero of this beer is the, the malts. Um, so the hops and the yeast um, or yeast, like all lagers takes a really bad note because that's not what you're trying to express. You're trying to express something in the malts, or the hops, but in this case, it's the malts. Um, so the base malt is a Munich malt, which is quite dark, um, a little bit of a, a, a carafe malt in there, which is a dehust roasted barley, uh, malt. Um, and yeah, so that's where you're getting your color from. Uh, so on the aroma, you get some bready toast, maybe some caramel notes in there. Oh God, yeah, that's really good. And then in the flavor, those flavors are also, a. uh, uh, uh the same as same as uh, same as the aromas. So you're getting those nice, sweet, bready notes um, and and toast and caramel. Maybe some toffee as well. Can I just ask when you talk about Munich malts and so forth? Is that essentially how a malt is treated, or is it a different grain to start with for for those of us? Uh, yeah, correct. Sorry. So that's a um that's a style of malt, and it's how it's treated in the maltings. So um, malt. Uh, so. Uh, Making malt is just as much of an art as beer brewing and, and it's just as much of a science. Um, so I was lucky enough, my apprenticeship in Germany is a uh, maltster and brewer. So I learned the malting side as well as the brewing side, which is really fun. And I actually had to do work placement in a uh, German maltings as well, which was uh, a really fantastic experience. Um, so what happens is, is the grain comes from the field and, um, uh, delivered to the maltings, it goes through, uh, goes to silos, and from the silos, um, it's in the silos for, for six ish months. And from the silos, it goes into a steeping process where the grain um, absorbs um, water um, and to, to increase its water content. Um, because of the high water content in that grain, it's now able to start germinating. So it then goes into a germin germination uh, process. Where over seven days that um, that malt will germinate, and during that those stages, um, the grains will uh, create enzymes, and those enzymes are very important for the brewing process. That's all the same. 
but then it's the last stages, which is where you start getting your different molds. So your eyes that let the uh, temperature in the germination process start heating up. So the starches inside liquefy. Then when they come into the kiln at high temperatures, they crystallize and you start getting crystal molds or you let it finish germination at a normal temperature at 20-ish degrees, bring it into the kiln, low temperatures, long time, you get an pilsner malt, which is really pale colours, or you normal germination, come into the kiln, start a flow, go high, and that's when you start to get Munich malts. So darker uh, darker malt colours, uh, more toffee notes, uh, sorry, uh, caramel notes, um, as opposed to crystal um malts which give off a bit of toffee um so yeah so it's, it's in the way that it's 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 processed in the maltings so i think I, i've mentioned a few malts so pilsner malt uh, vienna malt uh, munich malt um oh uh, yeah three three of the malts and they're generally named on where they were popularized popularized yeah can i really unleash my inner nerd Go for it. We don't often get to have these conversations, but you're talking about the, the fact that the, the grains are often kept aside for six months or so. Is that an important part of the process? Extremely. You... So, extremely. So, if you, um, so what happened? I'll put down my beer. That's how, oh, no. that's how <laughs> is, now we're getting serious. No, I like yeah. this. Um, so, so what happens is, um, so when the, uh, the grain is in the field, so the barley's in the field, um, it goes through its its processes of 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 going through its phases of um of becoming a barley corn, but at the end of it, it goes into what's called a keimruhe or a germination rest. Rest, yeah, thank you. That's it. So where it, it protects itself from actually germinating in the field, um, mm. so it initially goes to sleep, goes dormant, so that it won't germinate, and so. That barley is then harvested, um, comes to the brewery, gets cleaned, put into the silos, and in the silos it's aerated and those um, those barley grains are brought out of dormancy so that when they go into steeping, they will be take up that water and they, those, uh, uh, those grains are then able to go through germination process. Um, if you just brought them from the field and put them straight to steeping and, and germinating, they they would be still dormant and won't actually go through a process. So that that uh, storage time in the silos is extremely important. It's almost like letting meat rest, mm. but not really. That makes yeah. <laughs> but genuinely that makes total sense. And I, look I, again from sort of newbie question land is sort of we've spoken about sort of you know bottom fermenting and top fermenting and lagers and so forth. Uh, can, can you just sort of give a, a very quick summary for people who might be oh. new to the world of particularly craft beer, but beer in general, as to, well, how many different things you can get out of a lager? Um, because I guess in Australia, typically, we sort of think about, well, probably not Foster's, but, you know, we often don't realise that many of the things that we're drinking are lagers because it's a word that isn't put on the front of a tin a lot. Yeah, so... Lagers, so lager and ale are the two umbrella names of two different beer yeasts. So anything that is a top fermenting beer, so using a, a Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is a yeast strain, as a top fermenting yeast, that's an ale. 
Um, anything that uses a, I can never pronounce it properly, Saccharomyces pastianus, I think. It's nice, um, it's nice for you to be in the position of not pronouncing something yeah. correctly <laughs> after all of my efforts tonight. Yeah. So I feel we're balanced. Yeah. Um, so that's a bottom fermenting yeast, um, and that is a lager yeast, or, yeah, more commonly known as a lager yeast. So anything that is bottom fermenting is a lager. Anything top fermenting is an ale. So... Like what, is, what, what does top fermenting and bottom fermenting mean? So where I mean, it sits in the where it sits in the tank. If you were to cut a tank open when it's doing its thing, you can kind of see where it's balancing out. So, a, a good way of saying it is during the uh, the uh, fermental during the multiplication multiplying phase of the um, of the yeast strain. Um, a top fermenting yeast is. A friendly yeast if you want to say it like that so from the mother cell all the daughter cells will actually group together stay together and create a nice colony um so during fermentation a byproduct is co2 so the co2 will will grab that colony and bring it towards the top of the tank and it will do all that whereas a um a bottom fermenting yeast is somewhat less friendly so all the daughter cells will separate from that um from the mother cell so they kind of sit a bit more separately so the co2 can't grab that big colony and lift it up to the top of the tank so they kind of just hang around a bit lower in the tank um so that's yeah that's the two differences really so so anything from schwarz beer so black beer dunkles uh helles pilsner uh, Rauch beer, um, all these beers, a Keller beer, all these beers are bottom fermenting beers, lagers, um, but just disguised under um, different names, mm. I guess. So I say there's obviously the defining factor of the beer is the yeast that's used. There is um, hybrid beers, but you're only really dealing with a couple there. There's that a Kirsch that's probably the most popular style that's a hybrid beer. But other than that, they fall under the two main umbrellas. Determined by yeast. I've got to say that explanation of the top and bottom fermenting, which is really difficult for people to get their heads around. I've got to say, for even someone who's, I've been drinking beer for a bit. It's still hard for me to understand, but that explanation you just gave genuinely sort of explains to me sort of how I'd experience it if I was looking at like even a small homebrew sort of tank. Yeah. Um, where do you guys get your yeast from? Do you do you culture it yourselves or do you buy it in from somewhere in Australia? Do you buy it in from overseas? We well, had a actually, great conversation last week, as you might imagine, with Vine Stefan about yeast. Well, I will let Michael handle that question, but this actually calls back to a chat we were having in the break about us being more sustainable. We do reuse our yeast as much as possible and then we dispose of it um, as eco-friendly as possible. So we are very mindful with all of our practices, including yeast, um, because it does take a particularly skilled brewer to be able to use the yeast where um, I compliment Michael twice a year. So here's one. You're a really good brewer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've pretty much got them all on tape for the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so with um, yeah, so with the yeast, like Chloe said, we um, will harvest, repitch our yeast as, as much as possible. Um, to the point where we get about, um, so for our, our yeast, we normally get about eight um, repitches out of it and our lagers, you know, anywhere from eight to 12, which is really fantastic because you're literally grabbing yeast from a beer you've already fermented and you bring it into the next beer. Um, but 
our yeast strains, uh, well, one of our yeast strains does actually come from Weinstefana. Um, that's our lager strain. So it's not that uncommon, is it? I mean, in Germany. Correct, correct. They have they have a, a one of the most popular lager strains going around, and that's a lager strain oh, that for good I've reason. Used. Yeah, for good reason, and that's a lager strain I've used for for all of my professional brewing career. And I so, mean, you probably relearned last year, but Bunch Stefana is um, a big boy. Like they do things that are really exciting because, like, they try and educate on absolutely every part, and they care about every part. So when they release product, you know it's going to be a banger. And the yeast is um, follow suit. Mm. Yeah, is banger some sort of German word, or is it? What yeah, it means send me free beer, um, please, Wein Stefana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so now uh, one of yeah one of our strains uh, comes from uh, yeah Wein Stefana. The other one's from the states. That's our top fermenting yeast. Um, but as Chloe said, um, we'll uh, so actually one of, what one of my teachers said was that it's the brewer's job to make the yeast comfortable and have the best environment ever. It's the yeast that actually does the brewing. Mm. Um, so it's literally just the Burnley team's job to make that yeast comfortable. That yeast is what's making the beer. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what we like to do. So we've spent a fair bit of money into our yeast propagation, our yeast brings that that store the yeast. We have uh, a nice little um, lab uh, so that we can do cell counts, viability counts, so we can make sure our yeast is healthy. Uh, so each time we're repitching yeast, we know that it's it's good to go and it's going to have good fermentation. Um, when we start to see the viability or the health of that yeast to deteriorate, that's when we actually start to we'll be like, okay, that yeast is no good anymore, so let's get rid of it. So that's when we dump it, but we dump it with our grain, which then gets uh, given to a farmer, and that farmer then uses it to feed his cows. And um, the cows get nice and drunk. And the, and the cows get yeah. And do you do you um, eat the cows? That's actually where um, milk stouts come from. So we use that milk to make the milk stout. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we sometimes do, we sometimes do for the restaurant schnitzels. We used to also um, put the grain into our schnitzels at, at Richmond as well. The spent grain, that is. Yeah, sorry. Apologies, spent grain. But I was really excited seeing everyone getting into baking bread last year because I was like, hold on, I'm going to be able to talk to people about yeast very soon. <laughs> it, that was literally the example I gave with my 10-year-old uh, this morning trying to explain how yeasts work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's cool, right? Like you can see it rising from the ice. And if you're trying to explain how sort of, you know, the CO2... Anyway, let's not bog down on a 10-year-old's explanation of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bring them in here. I don't want you to give away trade secrets, but, like, how many different yeasts are there uh, at Burnley that you seek to use? And tonight, for instance, in the three beers that we've had, but I guess out of the six in the tasting pack, are we seeing yeasts recurring? I know that often they're taking a backward step, but we're sort of heading towards that bit of the night about talking about how... What similarities should we be noting between the three beers we've had and the six beers in the pack? So, um, the Weizen, the, so the, la no, the lagers are all the same yeast. Um, because uh, as I said, this, this Weinstefana uh, strain is actually the first yeast I first lager yeast I ever used, even when home brewing. Um, and then when brewing throughout Germany, 
just happened to be the house strain for all the, all the breweries that I worked at. Um, and the Germans just love that yeast. Mm-hmm. And because of myself learning from my brewmasters how to manipulate that yeast when it's not healthy, how you can give it another boost, how you can revive it and stuff like that, I just know that yeast really, really well. Um, and so I'm just comfortable with it and I know how how, how it uh how it acts it's weird like the god this is gonna sound really weird but i've got a, i've got a relationship with that yeast and i know exactly how how to treat it now that's why Whereas, we're divorced and, and it's funny, <laughs> i can see i can see in the i can see in the zoom room your, your mother's laughing quite happily your father looks a little bit concerned <laughs> that's okay that's, they'll have a yeast granddaughter soon that will keep them occupied <laughs> that's also just their faces so, you know. <laughs> now, um but so that's the, that's the that's the uh, that's the lager yeast. But then we also have a couple of other yeasts, which is. Uh, Do you want to say what's in the tasting back? So I don't think you would actually know. Well, so the Weizen yeast is a trade secret. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a. a so, we, so we've got the we've got the Weizen, we've got the Dunkles uh, Weizen and the Altbier. Yeah. So so the um, Dunkles and Pilsner both have the same yeast. The Weizen, Dunkles Weizen, and Lichtenhainer all have the same yeast strains, but that yeast strain is a trade secret. Um, that's just because it that's is. That's all good. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's just then the Altbier. What's in there? No, I'm just saying because I just love the characteristics oh. of that yeast. Um, and the Altbier is a, and that's what uh, Chloe mentioned, a hybrid beer that's between ale and lager. This is, te- uh, so, yeah, this is technically an ale yeast, but it's, um, treated like a lager yeast mm. so it's fermented at lower temperatures that beer is then also lagered for a very long time so uh, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna throw the words hold on is that is yeah, that yeah like i think a, warren a I can cold see lager is that a, a cold ale a cold lager? I, what is a, it a cold again? ipa yeah yeah uh no but I've, I've seen cold ipa popping up a lot in yeah. the chats and I don't know, maybe this is a good segue to it. I am going to do a, a, a cold IPA. Yeah, we're doing oh, this on There's our scoop. There's our scoop, guys. There's the 7.55 scoop. There yeah. you go. Because, because, well, first off, Chloe was like, we need to do another IPA. Um, I said, we should burn this place down. And you said, no, because it's too much money. <laughs> <laughs> so we both uh, remember the situation a bit differently. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, Chloe said we got to do another IPA and I've been wanting to, I've been just reading up about cold IPAs and everything like that and how um, Wayfinder in the States uh, pretty much wanted, not, not ended up creating this beer that was kind of like the anti-hazy IPA. Yeah. Um, and I was like, hang on, lager yeast. I'm, I'm a lager brewer. That's what I was trained in. I can, I can do this. So I started doing some research on it and it's really, really interesting. And it's actually Actually, kind of like the Lichtenhainer, reading the Lichtenhainer and being like, I really want to give that a shot. So now reading the, the cold IPA, it's like, I reckon I can do that. So, um, so yeah, watch out for that one. Um, I'm glad you said that because other brewers like, no, full shit. <laughs> like, it's, it's rubbish. It's as as a thing, I suppose. A lot of brewers, uh, for them and their, yeah. and their and for what it well usually it's what they're doing what they're yeah it's just like yeah whatever so yeah, it's great right. that someone who 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 is is who has a classical training and who who knows a lot about lagers has found the idea of a cold ipa interesting 
Well, I think life's too short to stick to what you know. Um, And if we're not challenging ourselves, you know, with every brew, then what's the point of doing it anymore? Like if you're not challenging yourself to be better and produce better beer, then, then why are you charging? So like, it doesn't make sense to keep running that business. You should sell it and give it to somebody who will try. So that's a shame for them. But um, I think because Burnley is run by a bunch of beer nerds, it's exciting for us to always try something new. And it, I think I think Warren, a point you've you've made is that a lot of brewers are, um, are reluctant to acknowledge it as a style um, because they're like, well, it's just an IPL, you know, an Indian pale lager, when really it's actually not. So the whole point <laughs> end of sentence. yeah, no, because, because you know IPLs is is it's 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 uh, West uh, West Coast. IPA hops. It's using a West Coast IPA grain bill. Um, you know, high ABV, everything like that. Cool, whatever. And the only thing you're doing is is chucking in a lager yeast. Sure, fine. Um, whereas the cold IPA, and hang on, don't get don't get me wrong, the IPL is a fantastic beer. There's some really good ones coming out of Blackman's. They're juicy banger. Really respect that beer. I think it's fantastic. They've also come out with a cold IPA, which is they have yeah top notch. Which for um, those who were at the trivia night uh, stumped a few people early on. So ah, in yeah. our blind tasting session. Um, but then when I was reading about the the very young history of the, of the cold IPA, is that mm. the so the head brewer of Wayfinder, um, one of his mates or family member or something like that, used to work at Budweiser, and so Budweiser do what's called high gravity brewing. So they'll brew the wort um, to an extremely high gravity um, to, to a point where the beer is at like 6.5% ABV. Um, and then they will dilute that beer from 6.5 ABV down to the 4.5% for Kentucky to the 4.2% for Missouri. For the So they're able from one tank, they're able to just make a bunch of different beers for the different states because each different state has different percentages because of prohibition and and whatever um so but but the brewers at Budweiser were saying that that 6.5 percent adjunct American lager is actually a banging beer like it's Mm. it's it's clear it's crisp um it's that that ethanol really carries through it um and he was like hang on that base beer is a fantastic style which you've got that because Ethanol, ethanol warms the throat. You know, we know that from vodka and stuff like that and, and really strong barrel-aged beers. Um, but it also has a sweetness to it that carries flavour. Um, and that's where, where this brew was like, hang on, we've got this sweetness that can carry a flavour. This is perfect to, to bring in some West Coast IPA popping to counteract and balance out in there. And so he wanted on his tap list, a, a hazy IPA that everyone could have, but then also the anti-hazy IPA that people who don't like hazies can have as well. And so that's where it came along. So it's, it's, it's really an imperial adjunct American lager hopped like a West Coast IPA. Um, and <laughs> as soon be the as best I, acronym I've ever seen on a can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know, right? And so when I was reading that, I was like, man, that actually completely makes sense. Me as a mm. lager brewer, I'm like, I get that. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, 
yeah anyway so that's um that's that's just, oh, and also when i say sorry, when i say agent i mean um uh as opposed to being 100 percent barley it's using corn or rice in there as well which really makes it crisp <laughs> and also makes it quite pale I can keep talking about I know. This. <laughs> no, and, and don't worry, we can keep listening. We can yeah. absolutely keep listening. I've got one more question uh, from myself. Then we're going to open up to questions from the Zoom room. I've got two noted down at the moment. I'm going to swap the order around if it doesn't confront people so that Damo can ask his question first of the Zoom room questions. And then, Graham, we've got a couple of spots left. And then we can always sit around after the recording has finished and have a general yarn. But um, I guess my last question, sort of officially, is, you know, 16 beers as part of your Oktoberfest uh, this year. Are there still German styles out there that you haven't brewed yet that you want to? Or I guess beer styles in general? Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> Can you give um, us a little, you know, what, what's out there? Is it and, and why haven't you done it yet? Is it just you can only do so many every year or are some just that little bit trickier? Um, so one that I really want to do, which is extremely hard to do, is a, a Roggen beer, which is a rye beer. Um, and so traditionally um, that would use 60% uh, rye. Um, and if anyone's a home brewer or, or a brewer um, or even just knows grain. So rye has an extremely high viscosity. Um, it's very, very bready and extremely hard to brew with. And I wanted to try one this year, but as soon as I started putting a grain bill together to make it, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is just not going to work. It, it will not go through our, uh, our to town. It would just, yeah, uh, Crofty's just said it would <laughs> take a week to louder. Um, and he's absolutely right. It would take a, <laughs> a week to louder. So um, um, so that's one beer I definitely want to do. There's just some uh, challenges in producing it. Another beer is just a straight Gerza without yeah. um, without any fruits because we've done like a Mandarin Gerza. We've mm. done, um, done, well, done a few, a few others. Um, but just a straight one, just like the Berliner Weisse that we've done recently, which came out in the Oktoberfest beers. Uh, I'd like to do uh, a Gerza just like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the beers that we picked this time around, like Oktoberfest is truly our love language and it's special for us to share with um, customers as a whole. So the beers that we picked are the beers that we've had an emotional connection with that for us is exciting to share with people. So the Bohemian Pills is absolutely one of my favourite beers. Same, it's one of my father-in-law's favourite beers as well, trying to get that inheritance. Um, the Berliner as well is one of my favourite Are you worried ones. about that, Chloe? You seem nah. to be <laughs> Is there an issue there? Isn't there some... The Berliner as well, like we have absolutely amazing stories of drinking them in Berlin. So the beers that we eat in the Weizen as well. So the beers that we picked this time around were just small snippets of um of an, an extension of our time in Germany. Obviously, it's like very draining to share that part of your life with so many people. So we did it in a particularly calculated way where we limited the beers that we were sharing so we could do it well. That's excellent answer. Look, I've, I've decided, given that we've actually got your in-laws in the room, 
and uh, I'm, I'm talking slowly uh, so they can, uh, I think I've got their attention now. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to unmute them in a moment before I go to the general audience questions and um, ask them which their favourite beers have been yes, love from, that. from this uh, Oktoberfest. And um, I guess, again, you know, why they, I, I know they love your beers in for, for many reasons, because they're great beers, not just because they're family. But actually, David, I'm going to write down what yes. I think what I think yeah, they're going to say. Oh, that's oh, this better. is a great idea. Yeah. You can also write down which one's their favorite their favorite child. And yeah, easy done there. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But but again, and and sort of memories, perhaps that these beers evoke for you both, um, because that's one of the fantastic things about flavors and aromas, and you know, does it take you back to happy memories for us or the in-laws the in-laws no 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 no. <laughs> we've, we've got your memories uh, yeah. i was gonna say i do not need to talk more right now <laughs> michael are you finished yes michael sorry what have you written well, down the, yeah yeah got the, it got it the, yeah, well first first of all i i have to say i was so impressed how they during lockdown and because of lockdown they switched from the Oktoberfest idea in the in, in Richmond to to October beer packs that that was and then finding the word so someone gave I just was so impressed I had nothing to do with that so <laughs> I found that word on the box I thought this is a this is a fantastic great idea and each box had eight different beers. I still still haven't had a chance to talk to Michael how he actually does it. Where does he store all these different beers just during this one month where all these Oktoberfest beers go out, either through boxes or through cans or yeah, whatever. Anyway, your basic question was, what is my favourite of all these beers? And I must say, uh, and the kids uh, mentioned it already, it's of course the Bohemian Pilsner. Yeah, you have to say. My, my <laughs> Boho Pils. What do you do? Yeah, oh, I'm no. a Pilsner man. Absolute favourite Pilsner is always Pilsner Workwell, and I know uh, that that Michael that is his benchmark. And I really have to say, his Bohemian Pilsner comes bloody close. It's really, really good, and I have to declare this uh, as as my favourite. Yeah. So that, that's from the tasting perspective. The other highlight from my perspective is, I have to say, is the Lichtenhainer. And I brought up in Germany for so many years, I never heard about Lichtenhainer. It is such a niche in Germany, nobody knows about it. And Michael found out about it. And uh, yeah, and, and, and as soon as I heard this, Lichtenhainer, Lichtenhainer, where is this from? I did a bit of my research myself, <laughs> and I was surprised. I did find, and I mentioned on the blog here as well in the chat, that uh, some Australian blogger uh, found Lichtenhainer and wrote about it, and he described it as the platypus of the beers because it has everything in there. It is sour. It is wheat in there. There is barley smoky. in there. It is smoky. <laughs> Whatever you can have in a beer, it's all in the Lichtenhainer. And then when I read up a little bit more, it was it is hundreds and hundreds of years old and was only known in a very small area in Germany around Jena. And uh, it was 
Also, uh, Michael didn't mention that. He probably read it as well. Uh, Jena was a university city and all the students in, in Jena hundreds of years ago, when they had their free time, which was not much, they went to the villages around and they had this, this type of beer. And I, I really can see them sitting there and drinking this Lichtenheimer. And uh, so that was not for the taste, but the idea that he found it and, and it's part of the Oktoberfest pack, that fascinates me. And that was, uh, now I'm talking too much here, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so that was my participation for, for uh, these Oktoberfest beers, which were produced this month by Burnley. You, and not for a moment should you say that you've spoken too much. That was a wonderful insight. And I think we're, I think we're genuinely a little uh, lucky to be able to share in a little family moment there. Um, it makes these interactions special for us. Uh, but that's only one member of the family. That's, that's your... Okay. Well, the, mine is dead easy. Um, I'm a wheat beer drinker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was clear. And the memories that take me back to wheat beer when I lived in Bavaria in Monau, and I lived also in, in Munich. And this is when I really got into beer and it was wheat beer. And the art of actually pulling a whole glass, the 500 mil into a glass, and when I think wheat beer, I think of spring, April, May in Monau, in Bavaria. Really happy memories. And that's, that's all. That's, I'm very simple in that regard. That's fantastic. We are genuinely very grateful for you uh, coming along last year, for you coming along last week and keeping us uh, on the straight and narrow with those uh, naughty people from Weinstefan. And for sharing that with us tonight, um, it, it makes it, it's a very odd time. It's been a very odd couple of years in Melbourne, but to be able to share in some memories and things like that is fantastic. I had a couple of questions that I was going to ask. I'm going to move right on to uh, Damo um, and get him to unmute himself while I fill for 10 seconds or 20 seconds or so, because um, anyone who's listening to this podcast for the first time, perhaps interstate in Australia, might think that all of the beers that you that you do are Oktoberfest or German style beers. Um, we, of course, know from your visit last year, go back and check out that episode in our archives. Um, you've got a much broader palette than that. And I think that's sort of where Damo's question is going to lead us. Hey guys, thank you for joining us. And just thank you for making some seriously cracking lagers which Australia has been calling out for. Um, but away from that, I've had some really good uh, sours of yours and I love sours like, and uh, your kumquat sour you did for grape and grain was fantastic. Um, what's the plan going forward? Any more sours, barrel programs, yeast driven styles away from hefts? Anything, anything a bit different? Yeah, you've got a pen and paper. I'll tell you everything. We're um, re-releasing the Five Fruit Sour very soon. We've got a really cool rice lager that's going to come out. Um, we've got a cold IPA that's going to come out as well. Where 
Um, I think in Sal's terms. Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing the whole thing. Okay. And then I'll, <laughs> um, we're reimagining our barrel program, so it's going to be bigger and bolder than what we thought it was going to be. It's actually going to have the branding from our brewery in Germany. Might have a second location to go along with it too. Um, then in a couple of week weeks, we're releasing seltzers for all the horny thirty year old Melbournes who want to go to a picnic. Um, <laughs> Especially after a lockdown. <laughs> yeah, me. What about those of us who just like picnicking? That's just, you know, is that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we have a couple of special things coming out as well. There's alcohol-free um, range that will be, if you ever had the collab that we did with Mountain Gin ages ago, we're reimagining that as an alcohol-free beer. Um, so it'll be kind of a lemon lemonade sour as an alcohol-free one I like, I like, but using botanicals though yeah, so it's like, like let, this really let... subtle beautiful botanical mm. beer um and then i think i've just told you all the secrets so yeah i think that's everything that we've got planned for the year and um but but to just to develop on the whole sour things um demo so um, as Chloe mentioned we, we have always had a, a barrel program slowly just aging away um in the in the background of our of our clean brewery but it worries me that it's so close to our clean brewery yeah. so we're, we're moving it to another location um and in that new location we'll be able to expand the barrel program and um and then do some really nice sours. So at the moment we've got a we've got a couple of pale uh, just just pale saisons and dark saisons that are aging on fruits and stuff like that at the moment. Mm. Had a taste of them just a couple of weeks ago, and they are coming along brilliantly. Um, if I don't mind saying so myself, <laughs> um, but the um, you know and, the, and those um, those barrels have a nice mixed culture of Britannomyces, a bit of Pediococcus, uh, Lactobacillus, um, obviously the sacra. Uh, Saccharomyces, uh, the Saccharomyces cerevisiae from the fermentation, um, and they're just bringing up some really nice light tannins from the from the oak, um, the French oak barrels, the ones that I have at the moment, um, and they're just just aging well. And and as as any barrel aged fan knows, these are beers that take years, and these have been in barrels for uh, for. Almost four years. No, no, no. Um, when Julius started. So two and oh, a half two and years. Oh, two and a half years. Apologies. So two, two and a half years. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so so that's something that we're excited to release. It's still, it's still not. It's still, it's, it's still on the horizon. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not around the corner. It still needs yeah. a bit of developing. But basically the next two sours that will hit the market are the five fruit sour and then the pavlova sour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Now, guys, that's exciting. Cheers, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. it's, a, it's a ripper of a question, Damo. Um, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to do my little bit, which might be the silliest thing I've done. I thought it might work, but perhaps it's just not the right beers to do it with. But well, I hear for you, from you guys. We've got the uh, the three beers that we've mm -hmm. been sort of keeping back a little bit. I'm finding for me that, particularly with the smoked beer, that I'm getting a bit of sort of sweetness, and now that the smokiness is sort of lifted out of the glass a little bit that I'm getting different flavours out of that. But if you were having those sort of those beers that we've kept aside now, do you think there'd be any changes in them and what would that look like? And at that point, I'm going to hand over to young Travis. Uh, I've got a question from Graham and then Corey and others 
Travis, it's up to you from here on in, but should we, what changes should we have seen in the bees that we've had tonight? Um, no, Travis is okay. Should I say sorry? Travis. <laughs> oh no, I, I think you guys go first, and then I'll I'll uh, whip around with a couple more questions when you're done. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, so. the 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 way that the person is actually designed to have uh, be enjoyed is like we designed it over a fourteen degrees spectrum. So if it warms up to fourteen degrees, it's still a pretty nice beer to drink. Um, but the pilsner itself should. Be somewhat faultless right now. The Lichtenhainer, the um, baconness is probably ramped up a little bit. The the balance of like the sour and bacon might be a little bit off. Obviously, as it gets warmer, it does tend towards the darker notes, which is probably the the baconiness. The Dunkels is probably the best one to have, you know, warm um, because I think that it's better when it's been sitting out on the bench for a little bit longer, which sounds disgusting. But it just, I think, like, you get more apricot and kind of, like, almost um, dried French fruits. onion soup notes <laughs> to it. Um, so it becomes almost more mature and more, like, red winey over time. That's, yeah, that's really interesting because that's pretty much what was going through my head with it. It's, like, you're right, the Pilsner is exactly how it was before, but that, that difference... Is really cool. Um, mm. the, the bacony comes through far more than it did when you first cracked the can. So it's um yeah. I think that was a good experiment, David. Yeah. <laughs> it is really cool doing that with lagers because lagers obviously the faults come out particularly early, but as soon as it's in um increased up to three degrees, because Australians drink that be so so cold, um, that that's when you tend to note note it. But we purposely designed the the beers and the pilsners especially beers that we intend on drinking down the beach to be able to have that like 13 degrees buffer room and, and that's fascinating yeah. I would, that was i promise you not the sort of answer that i was expecting um that oh. that sort of <laughs> yeah sometimes yeah, we think things through yeah well because um um, as, as, Chloe, as Chloe said, um, the most of the tapping systems that are, are here in Australia are certain beers at like zero degrees, and that's it's actually uh, way too cold for for a beer actually because it's really it just freezes your mouth. Yeah, it's it's numbing your your taste buds and your senses and everything. Which is like to be that. fair, is the only way I'll drink Carlton. <laughs> um, so um, so really, a, a, a Pilsner should be you know anywhere between six to eight degrees, um, and so that's where. I, I like to drink mm. my business, but, um, but yeah, anyway. We're obviously mindful with these home beers. Like we can't control the environment that they come out of. Mm. So we try and give them as much buffer room as possible. So um, anything that we, we know we can't control, which is predominantly temperature, we make sure that there's that, that um, leniency for. I'm going to throw over to Max in the Zoom room, who has an interesting question, which brings us back to a few of our previous episodes we've had this uh had this debate going on for a while now uh max are you there mate i am uh apologies it started raining in my tin roof so i hope it's not too noisy um, where do you live max i live in alterna north alterna all right i'm watching the rain radar yet uh, well it's gonna come it's starting to hit really hard now not even raining in yarrow yet <laughs> oh now it's going off again so yeah um question I had was about, um, you guys obviously have amazing attention to detail in uh, what you make and your understanding of the, of the, the you make. 
Uh, how much do you think, uh, how much stock do you put into glassware and how important it is to have particular glassware for particular styles? And do you think the glassware should change depending on the style you're drinking? Or Because um, the guys last week from um, Wines the Farm were saying that, you know, Hef's first pilsner showed different glasses. So what is the Yeah. About? Well, we um, we do, we in a perfect world, we would have a different glass for everything at Bridgman. But obviously it's a busy pub and you can't control everything. Um, I, I get really excited when people talk about glassware because that's when you know they're like peak nerd um, and want to explore everything else that's surrounding this. That for us is always really exciting to chat about. But when we are getting people to try our beers, it's something that we don't include just to make sure that we're not excluding them from the get-go. Because, like, if you're talking about, um, obviously, Weizen has such an iconic glass, but as you're getting more and more niche, you kind of want to make sure that people almost find that chat themselves and want to be engaged in that chat there. Because when we are talking about glassware, obviously that's a financial um, investment somebody else has to make. We don't ever want that onus to be on them to make sure that they're enjoying beer. Um, but we are total glass sluts ourselves. Um, having said that, I will always disgustingly drink red wine out of an old jam jar, just as a sign of how much better beer is than wine. But um, so at, at, at Richmond, what we have is like an all-rounders, like sniffer glass. Like a tulip. Uh, yeah, tulip. So that, um, so that it's a good all-rounder uh, glass, you know. You, you've got a nice um, narrowed um opening to, to intensify the aromas and stuff like that um it's also good for head retention and everything like that so we've just got a good all-rounder enrichment mm. however um when we were at um a brewers conference in germany one time we actually went to a, 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 a beer glass education yeah it was cool seminar um and it was amazing so we would have an ipa a stout and it was a pilsner um all lined up in front of us a stout glass a pilsner glass and a and, a, and an ipa glass and you try the beers in them and they explain to you how they um uh they emphasize some notes of hops in the ipa roasted barley or whatever in the stout and then as soon as you you've got the same bottles in front of you same glasses as soon as you've rinsed out those glasses and swapped the beers around the beers in the opposite glasses so ipa and a stout glass yeah. stout in an ipa glass the beers completely changed mm. it was yeah. insane yeah it is always really cool seeing how that works but like if you go to you said altona right you live in altona if you go to hopheads they actually have some of our tulip glasses so i think the fact that um we try and go with a all-rounder from the beginning if you are looking to steal glasses they are the really good ones to start with um because it's a good beginner glass um we'll, we'll but, note that in the show notes for them yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but go to hopheads don't come to Burnley. Yeah. Um, and even it's really cool seeing new brands coming out and reimagining glassware like boomstick is doing some really cool designs and it's a nice um it's a nice cross cross section of beer and um you know reinventing how we're using glasses so I personally think glassware is really expensive, but I'm also not going to be the person that um, makes somebody invest in that to enjoy Burnley. It's always a great thing, but it's not an it's not a necessity for for me personally. 
because because another thing with uh, I, I great I think, question though I do really agree with that yeah I, I think I think glassware is very important but it's also a practicality thing yeah. so uh, like I've seen I, somebody I, do a shoey before <laughs> so explain to me how that's ever come but, to um, it was only a few weeks ago when we had someone do a shoey on the podcast yeah <laughs> I didn't know that was sort of thing. That I'm is horrific. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, it's, it's, so ideally um, you do have the right glass for the right beer. Um, a big thing with beer glasses is that the glass is actually quite thin because you don't want to have a large heat transfer mm. from the glass to the actual beer because beer should be, as we already talked about, should be served at a, a certain temperature. Again, each beer style should be at different temperatures. Uh, whereas if you look at the pint glasses here or the schooner glasses, it's they're so quite, big. they're quite thick and that's yeah. so that they hit each other. They don't smash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then they're coming out of the dishwasher at, you know, 60 degrees going beer in there at zero degrees straight away. The glass hits them up to 12 straight away. Mm. That, that corporate beer that you're drinking right now is no longer drinkable because it's been heated up to uh, express its, um, its faults that come totally with right. a warm beer. Yeah. Um, so glassware is extremely important. Um, and I think with Burnley, we've, with our side at least, we've found it a good medium. We've got practical. Actually, no, have we? We've broken a lot of glasses. Yeah, we've broken a lot because you can't stack them. Uh, actually, I don't think we have found it. Yeah, I think we we're just going for snippers. But people, that, people that don't work in the tap room are like, yeah, great, love it, love it. If you were to work in the tap room, you'd probably say they're a bad get. Stackability is so important, and uh, I know that IBAC is listening to everything that I say and knows that I'm a member of the Labor Party. But just <laughs> yeah. talking about glassware, stackability is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like the health and safety of staff. Like I understand why Australians have those thick ones. It's like people cut them. You can cut yourself pretty seriously on a glass quite easily. Um, and yeah, for us, mm. the 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 glasses that we pick, we know that. It shouldn't hurt any staff, hopefully. Great answer. Um, we're going to throw over to Graham, who has one last question in the room. Uh, Graham, if you want to unmute yourself, and then we're going to do the wrap-up. Uh, thanks, thanks, Travis, and thanks, Chloe and Michael, for uh, a great night. Um, this is sort of like, I'm not sure who does the ordering, um, but uh, I was... You know, I'm struck by your use of the halotoe hops, which I, yeah. So is it hard to get halotoe hops uh, in Australia? And is there Australian grown halotoe hops? So thanks. So there was an Australian grown daughter of halotoe, and that was called Helga. Um, it was, it was uh, produced by HPA, so Hops Products Australia. Um, but it never took off because um, halotoe is not a cool hop in Australia. Uh, which brings us to the next thing. Is it hard to get Halitau here? No, because I swear to God, I'm probably one of the few breweries buying it. <laughs> so breweries buying it. Um, I remember because I, I, uh, I, I contract hops out. So I make sure that, um, so by contracting hops, you, you reserve hops to make sure that you have it for your beers. So Galaxy, Citra, Cascade are all very important to our pale ale. I make sure I have a certain amount for the year to make sure that we don't run out. Same with SARS, Spout, uh, Spout Select, and Halitau Tradition. I contract those as well. But whenever I do it, the distributors are saying, Michael, why are you even bothering? <laughs> we, we have this hop from 2018 still. Like, you don't need to reserve this one. But I do it because, you know, something will happen. JSA. 
just in case just in case that you know there'll, there'll be a pilsner fest or something and yeah it's just going to grab sars and i'm going to be left with nothing so um so so to answer your question yes there was um an australian hallertown derivative um but is no longer continued because it didn't uh didn't catch on um and hallertown tradition is surprisingly easy to get because um no one finds it cool there you go yeah <laughs> Uh, guys, yet again, great answer. We love a good beer nerd session in the call room, and you guys have just brought the goods tonight um, on all fronts. Uh, I think we're going to wrap things up there. Guys, remember, if you're in the Zoom room, uh, you get to hang around afterwards and have a bit of a chit-chat and drink some more beer. Um, Michael and Chloe, you guys have been awesome. Can you throw us your social medias again so we can pop them in the show notes and make sure that when we come out of lockdown, everyone knows where to find you? Uh, yeah, I think it's just Burnley Brewing across everything, including TikTok. If you do not have TikTok, go and get it tonight. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, it's Burnley so, Brewing across everything. Yeah, so Are you allowed to have TikTok if you're over 30? Yeah, uh, excuse yeah. you. Excuse you. <laughs> Dem some fighting words. Actually, uh, I don't. I don't love that. I don't love. That. Actually, funny note on the whole. Siri, refund my time. <laughs> funny note on the whole TikTok thing. I know we're wrapping up, but I just want to quickly throw this story in there. So we started a TikTok account because you know we're cool like that. Um, but um, uh, but we actually got um, a back. Um, got a replaint. A former. Rec- complaints saying that we were marketing to use because we we're using a a social media a platform <laughs> that was for what they thought were for youths um and then I, I actually spent like a good week writing a seven page report citing all sort of articles showing that it's just, it's an aging uh, social media platform and then ABAC were like no actually you're absolutely right you can continue using uh, TikTok so fight so the fight people fought the man yeah and, and we won that's, <laughs> that's fantastic because say. I felt until that moment that I might have gone peak nerd tonight um <laughs> I can just sit back and relax now yeah no, we fight the good fight yeah but actually I have to, I have to also say um there's moments but, but, in time where you know we're childless and that story is yeah. a pretty good example. But, but I also have to say that um, uh, I have to really commend ABAC as well, having read through the report and actually overturn an old, old ruling because they actually did realise, oh, hang on, actually, it is a, it is, um, it is a different world and, and, that, um, and that TikTok is no longer just for dancing teenagers. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, our socials. Uh, oh, yeah, socials. <laughs> Burnley, Burnley Brewing and also... Um, Burnley behind the beers. Stop plugging your personal one. It's no, not no, you can plug, plug away, Michael. Oh, no, don't, don't listen to Chloe. <laughs> no, that's a great one. It's 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 all the fun stuff that happens at the brewery. <laughs> Did, Michael, do you also have a personal TikTok you can plug right now? Oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, thank stuff. you very much for joining us. Uh, obvious, the guys in the Zoom room uh, tonight. We've got quite a few of them. Keep in mind, we've got the blind tasting coming up on. Sunday of this week. Um, this podcast episode may not be out by then, so I'm going to edit this bit out. And then next Thursday, we've got Capital Brewing on uh, from Canberra. And then we round out the month with Three Ravens, two of uh, these two breweries I'm super looking forward to. They're, they're going to be very, very cool. 
Um, you'll be able to check out the Cool Room Facebook page to see what's coming up in November and the and the packs that are available for that, which is going to be a really cool month. Hopefully we come out of lockdown soon and we can all get out and uh, enjoy a beer in the bars and come down to Burnley and not have to worry about protesters walking past the front of the brewery. Um, guys, thank you very much for joining us again. It's been an absolute blast. You, you guys were always us. great to chat to. So cheers. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, really so enjoyed much. it. Harry says goodbye. Bye, Harry. <laughs> Bye, Harry.